0: Grateful. Aren't we grateful for what God has done and what God is doing? And uh, what a powerful words of those songs, that last song, gratitude. And uh, thanks, you guys, for leading that. So, hey, welcome to Late Point. I'm so glad that you're here today. And, and uh, welcome if you're watching online, glad that you're watching you wherever you might be. And uh, if, this is, if this is your first time here, my name is Pastor Scott. And welcome. Welcome here. And as you came in, you should have received a, a program. Some churches some church call it a bulletin, but we call it a program because when you go to a baseball game or a Pistons basketball game, they give you a what? They give you a program. So we, we call it a program here. And, uh, but inside the program, lots of things are happening, and you want to check that out. And uh, inside, though, in the program It's a little connection card. We ask you to take a minute, fill that out, and uh, if you're first time with us let us, let us, let us know a little bit about you. Fill that card out, drop it in one of the offering basket or offering boxes uh, throughout the building or you can give it to me after the service. I'm here in the, in the hallways and get a free gift that I'd like to give you and I thank you for coming today and being our special guest. And uh, if you're a regular attender, at least put your name on there. If there's a new email or updated address information, let us know about that. And on the back, you see all the stuff that's happening that you can sign up for, decisions that you could be making today, um, information about um, you know, signing up for baby child dedication, which is on Mother's Day in a couple of weeks. And uh, so if you're interested in having your baby or a child dedicated on that Sunday, let us know. Um, we got graduation Sunday coming up. And uh, again, if you're graduating or- you know, or if you've got someone in your family that's graduated, let us know about that on your, car, on your connection card, BBS, you know, volunteering, all that good stuff. A lot happening here, so make sure you check that out. Life Group, we kick off the Life Group this past week. It's not too late to jump in and be a part of our group. And um, if you've got questions, Pastor Dave Goff is in the, in the lobby and he'll help you with those questions that you might have. You can sign up online and get jump in. And uh, this is our second week this week. And uh, so this, um, currently we're in the middle of a series called Difference Maker. What it means to be a difference maker. And that's what we've been challenging you, been kind of talking about what that is. A couple of weeks ago we talked about a guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was not a priest, wasn't a king, wasn't a knight, a warrior. He was a, a lowly butler. He served the king. And, uh, and, and, and the power of that story is that God can use a very ordinary man to make a difference in the world that he was living in. And that's the power for us. If some of us, we think, man, I've got to have a degree. I've got to have this. I've got to have experience. God can use you, whatever that is, whatever God has for you to do, you can, he can use you. Whatever limitation you think you've got, God can break past those limitations. Uh, And you can be a difference maker. Last week we talked about the Good Samaritan. Again, uh, here's a person that was not even named. We don't know the Good Samaritan's name. But Jesus talked about the Good Samaritan. You know, and and a person that was despised by, by the Jews. They hated each other. You know, the Jews thought nothing less of them. They were the worst of his kind. And God used a, a, a Samaritan man to show love to a Jewish person who was in need of help and showed love. We'll talk about being a difference maker. It's, it's showing kindness in the moment. Love in action. Not love in words, but love with your hand. And, and, and so the challenge in this series is, yes, at late Point, we do a lot of cool stuff. We do a lot. There's a lot going on. And it's great when we come together to make a difference for the community. But the challenge is for you is to be, is to go beyond the church. Don't ride the coattail of the church, you know, of the church outreach program to be a difference maker. You can be a difference maker right where you're at, right in the marketplace, in your neighborhood, in your family, whatever that looks like. God can use you. You alone. To make a difference, and so today we're going to continue this series, and I want to introduce my friend Joe Cipari. Joe Cipari has been started an organization, a nonprofit, about eleven years ago. It's changed names since then, but the same concept, and and uh, reaching and ministering to children that are in the foster care system, and and and, and Joe has brought some light to the brokenness of that system some good things but there's a lot of negative things about it and and he saw a need and it bothered him and instead of just allowing it to bother him and to stay there he said you know what i've got to do something about it and so he rolled up his sleeves and started becoming a difference maker started an organization we've been with him from the ground up we've seen him you know, when this thing was just a baby. And now this thing has blown up, right here in in the state of Michigan, and you get to hear about it from my friend, Joe Shavali. So I want us to give a nice warm, late-point welcome to my friend, Joe.
1: Good morning, church, how we feeling? We good? Let's try that again. Good morning, church. How we feeling? There we go. Wake up a little bit. If not, get out to the lobby. Get an espresso in your system. Get it working a little bit. We can start. I'll get some people doing some stretches if we have to. That's what we do at Kids Camp. Get going. Got too tight of jeans on. I might rip something, though. (laughs) Who just laughed at? Was that Alyssa? Don't laugh at that. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I was with you guys one year ago on this very Sunday as I, for the last five or six years, have joined you at the end of April. And um, I finally had breakfast with Scott a few weeks ago, and I said, Hey, Scott, enough is enough. I can't do five minutes at the church anymore. I need the whole sermon. And uh, here we are, my first time to be able to share. Is that okay? We're indifferent? Okay. Okay. My hope for this little mini message is that I encourage somebody in this room to do something out of their comfort zone, to take a step towards something outside of these walls, a mission, a purpose within your heart, a calling that is greater and further beyond yourself. And we're going to explore that together today and why God has called us to do that. But first, we have to talk about the world's communication problems. See. Um, I'm 38 years old and the world looked a lot different 15 years ago when it t- we talked about communication. There was no text messages. Facebook didn't exist. People didn't hide behind Instagram comments and Facebook messages to get their point across. You did it the old-fashioned way, face-to-face. If you had to ask a girl or a boy out, you had to do it face-to-face. Um, I don't even think Starbucks existed back then. So like we... C.J. Barrymore's is where we just went. That was the spot. But now people have it easy. Um, But let's talk about the doorbell. Remember back in the day when the doorbell would ring and you'd see somebody ready to sell something, and you actually went to the door and opened it and said, hey, I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. How can I help you? In today's society, if the doorbell rings, The entire family hits the deck. (laughs) Get behind the couch. Get into the bathrooms. They can't know we're home. Somebody turn off the dishwasher. It's making too much noise. They're going to check the pipes outside. We have become so fearful of simplicity. And for you people that can own the ring doorbell, you see them a mile away. So you're in the bathroom with an espresso and a magazine just... Waiting for them, the ring notification went off, they're gone. We have lost the art of speaking speaking to people face to face, standing up for what's right, speaking our mind, and sometimes even saying no is okay. You can tell the person at the door no, when people ask you to a uh, Friday night thing and you already have something on your heart, that you're, you, it's okay to say no. No is as powerful as yes. But today I'm hoping that we can have you say yes to something outside this. I wanna talk about uh, Jesus and the 12. See, we know that Jesus had disciples and we often know them by name and we know that there was 12 of them. But to put in definition, A disciple is a follower. I would imagine that everyone in this room today, if we said, are you a follower of Jesus, would raise their hand in some capacity and say, well, I'm here, I'm at church, I want to learn, I want to worship, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's amazing. But Jesus had 12 apostles, and the difference is they were now called and assigned to go do the work. They were educated. They were listening to him. They were traveling with him in his uh, ministry. Even though in that short three years, it was very short. They would go into the cities and they would flip the world upside down. It says in biblical text that the moment Jesus started his ministry was the moment, the starting point that the world would be flipped upside down, making change, being a difference maker, as Pastor Scott's talking about. Jesus set the way, and so let's read here in the book of Mark, chapter six, seven through 12, when he calls the 12. He calls the 12 to himself, and he began to send them two by two out. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bag, no bread, no copper on their belts, but to wear sandals and not even bring an extra tunic. Stop there. So imagine you've been a follower of Jesus and now he's called you to actually go out and do the work. A, are you ready? Are you gonna be like, whoa, I I have my schedule, I have my calendar, this wasn't in the plan, Jesus, I got things to do this week. And then he says, hey, when you leave the church today, you're gonna be wearing the clothes that you're wearing. In fact, Give me your jacket because I don't want you to be comfortable in the rain. I'm gonna need the jacket back, and um, I'm gonna give you a staff. That's gonna be the only thing that you have to walk with. And also, let's let's kill the shoes. I'm gonna. You guys get sandals. So Larson, you're gonna have to sell the Nikes and put on some Birkenstocks, and we're gonna go out and do the work. Okay? Basically, he's stripping them of their comfort, and he's saying, "Are you ready?" And at this point, the apostles are kind of looking dumbfounded. They're like, "Uh, Jesus, we just came on this mission with you. You never said a darn thing about us having to go out and do this for you now. Can't you just do the miracles, the signs, the wonders? We're just listeners. We're the followers. he's saying, I'm assigning you to do more than that. The mission is not just to follow behind me and peek around my shoulders the mission is to now go into your cities and speak about me. And then it says here in the next part. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there until you depart from that place. Whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Pause. How many times have you sat in front of someone to speak the heart of Jesus, a sermon that you've listened to, And they're like, thanks for sharing that, but that's not for me. Jesus is saying to the apostles here, go and do the work as I've commanded you to do. Say it as I've told you to say it. And if they don't want to listen, move on. You've done the work for them. That doesn't mean that they have a decision to make. You have to go to the next city, the next person, the next soul, the next heart that is seeking me. Waste no more time. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than that city. So they went out, they preached that people should repent, they cast out many demons, and they anointed oil with many who were sick, and they healed them. I've heard people say in this exact calling of their heart, "Ah, I, I just wish I could say more for Jesus, but... I don't know, Joe, the first thing I would do. I don't know Bible verses. I don't know stories of the Bible. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I'm not equipped for this. There's something in his last breath called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in you. It's within you. It protects you. But most importantly, in times of distress and need, it comforts you. It gives you the words to say. Imagine going into a situation blindly with no voice, spewing out all of this Jesus love and Jesus talk and the person giving their life to Christ and being saved and coming to church and you get back in your car like, I have no idea what I just said. Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit is defined to do for you. All he's asking for you is to have a little faith and trust him. Faith means operating in the unknown and knowing that the person who knows it all has a plan. Trusting the Holy Spirit. But I love this little quote here because I think it goes with that. Joe, what if I knew the plan for my life? Wouldn't that just be simpler? What if God revealed that to me? The reason why God doesn't reveal his entire plan to you all at once is because you would find complete peace in the information instead of finding peace in the relationship with him. Who's guilty of going, I'll feel a lot easier sleeping tonight if I just know the plan for the week. If I know the outcome, maybe I'll participate. If I know the result, then you can tell me the action. That is not how it works with Jesus. Do You think that I was called to foster care? To work with kids of abuse, abandonment, neglect, that that was a sign? No, I was called to a relationship with Jesus. And then he told me, oh, by the way, foster care is going to be the calling. You can't understand the calling or the push or the mission or the operation in your life until you've purified and intentfully gone after a relationship with Jesus. A pastor told me a week ago, he said, do you know the reason why most people don't have a full heart relationship, friendship with Jesus? I was like waiting for this beautiful, long-winded, poetic answer. He said, They never intended to in the first place. I said, what? He said, yeah. A lot of people just want to stay in their comfort zone. We've been protected by painted walls and cozy chairs. We've made Christianity our comfort place. And there's a reason that Jesus went out there into the dirty places the disdained places, the the despised, the dangerous. If you read the book of Hebrews, it wasn't just on church platforms under the lights with smoke machines. He was walking into homeless communities and to the sick. He was walking into the cities where he was despised most to do the ministry. But we are potentially ashamed of sitting at Panera Bread or Starbucks And speaking his name out of our own mouth. Why is that? Why are we getting the luxury of teaching and treating Jesus so cheaply? Because nobody's taking roll call today on a Sunday to make sure you're at church. Well, Joe, that's a little harsh to say. It's the truth. The ministry is what you do with it outside of here. And so let's talk a little bit about some international missions and just some stats. 2013, I had the luxury of going to India with a team of people, and my heart broke. Do you know that there's more people below the poverty line in the country of India than the entire population of the United States of America? Most families are between seven and 11 family members deep, and they live in a box eight by eight or smaller with three or four pots of pans to their name and a handful of rice to get through the day. You are expected to be a full-time worker at the age of five years old. From more of the population in India than the entire United States of America. Hate to say it, our dogs and our cats eat better than most of the country in India. I went to Los Angeles a year ago for a conference. And as I traveled through downtown, I was like jaw dropped at the homeless community. And when I say homeless community, I'm not talking a few tents and a person living in a sleeping bag under the bridge. I'm talking hundreds, 500, 1,000 people who have taken over a street corner and cars can't get through it. There are 600,000 plus homeless people identified in the United States of America and a little over 54,000 of them live in downtown Los Angeles. It's not a glamorous place to be. Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids are number one and number two for the most identified cities in Michigan where young women between the ages of 12 and 18 years old are captured in broad daylight and put into a human sex trafficking ring but shortly behind them is a city and a place that nobody wants to talk about. Well, Joe, sex trafficking's really bad. It's in the big cities. That's why we live here in the suburbs. See, I've watched videos, and I've been in courtrooms, and I've seen different judicial systems try to put this under the rug because they don't want to brag about it, and they surely don't want you to know about it, but for your education today and for your safety and for your knowing Do you know that young girls and women between the ages of six and 16 years old, six of them are are being took every single day at Great Lakes Crossing Mall in broad daylight. Mothers who are distracted putting their child into their car or something on the windshield. Well, why isn't Michigan informing us? Why aren't we in the know about this? How many times have you flipped on the news and really seen them bragging about those stats? You're not going to see that. But it's right under our nose and it's in front of us. I've had the privilege of being in the foster care system as an advocate, as a speaker, as a volunteer, another set of hands, a difference maker. 17 years ago, a pastor came to me And he said, we're starting this camp. We don't really know a whole lot about what we're doing, but we know it's going to be for foster care children. Joe, would you be in? And I said, sure. I didn't have a lot going on. In fact, I was feeling pretty purposeless at that time. And we started training a team of people, 31 adults, who said, yeah, we're in. Let's go change the life of a foster child for a week of camp. Let's bring them in for a week. Treat them like royalty. Let them be kids. Feed them 23 meals. Let the girls be princesses and the boys hang out with athletes. Let's put on this dream week for them. I said, I'm all in. And we trained for six months to go and change their worlds. But what we were not prepared for is how a little child between the ages of 6 and 12 years old who's living in abuse, abandonment, and neglect Who's in a different home every single week? Who's medicated? Who's had their childhood ripped out under their feet and stolen from them? Would take 31 grown adults who love Jesus and flip their world upside down. That first year, I firmly believe that the children served us more than we served the children. Well, Joe, that seems a little backwards. It's the truth. That first year, I think we had the wrong intention of what could happen when Jesus wants to do what his plan is and stripped us of our own agendas and our own schedules for that week. And there was one little boy that wrecked my world. And I said, I got to do more. Well, Joe, did you go to school for social uh, work? Gave her master's in child psychology? No, I don't. I was just a 22-year-old kid that had a heart for Jesus, an open schedule in front of me, and I took a step forward. Jesus, what's the plan? Just keep listening, Joe. I'll show you soon. Keep trusting. So we took a step. 17 years ago, we did our first camp. And a few years into that, seven years later, we said, we got to do more. We got to take our little comfortable church program for foster care kids and we need to bring this to a Michigan State initiative. So in 2023, I'm fast forwarding here 11 years. We have a camp in the Oxford area. We have a camp in the Holland area. We have a camp in the Frankenmuth area. And this fall, we're announcing that we're opening a camp in the Traverse City area. The camp is a starting point for us to enter a child's life who's living in complete darkness and be a constant through all of their change. So when their home life changes from city to city, we're there. When their caseworker gives up on them and they need somebody else assigned to them, we're one of the first phone calls. Where's little Jimmy going? Where's little Susie going? We're there. The distance in between doesn't matter. We've taken the steps forward. To say, the Lord told us this was the mission. I'm just doing work with Him. I'm following His lead. See, the children that we serve, ages 6 to 12, they got it bad. They don't deserve it, not at all. It's all situational based on their upbringing. Our goal is to restore a little bit of that childhood that they rightfully deserve to give it back to them, to put them on the path of success. And this year, we have some of those foster care children who are now former foster care children, grown adults between the ages of 18 and 25, who are standing on the front lines with us, serving the very children in foster care that they once had to be titled as, at the exact camp location where they stepped off the bus 10 years ago. And it all starts with one person with no plan and a heart for Jesus that says, I'm ready to make a difference. Jesus, I trust you. You do the rest, I've said yes to the calling. And this year we have, we're so fortunate to have like 300 plus difference makers volunteering with us for our little community thing that we're doing here across the state of Michigan. And I want to talk about two difference makers that um, were in this room for the first service and are not with us at the moment. For you guys that may know Dominic and Kristen, Jean Cola, these are two young adults who serve at our camp, who are mentors throughout the year, who are business owners, who answer the call a few years ago to say the Lord's Exploring my heart to do more for a child. I don't know a plan, but I know that he's pushing me that way. So they served and they learned. and They got educated and they became foster parents. But this past August, well, let me go back one year ago. There was a little boy, uh, nine years old, who applied for our camp And my heart, immediately when I looked at his application, knew there was something wrong. This boy was lonely. And as I looked at his story and I made some phone calls, I had realized that this little boy named Jason had been in the hospital in the year of 2022, two times. And when he applied for our camp, he had already lived in eight homes in seven months. But we expect Jaceon to expect to be normal when his life is changing every four weeks and people are looking at him and saying, nobody's ever going to want you. You're you're a problem child. You're filled with anger and sadness and rage. Good luck, little nine-year-old. And the foster mom that applied at that time, I'm going to be honest, she was a, a, a pain for me. I did not like calling her, but it wasn't about her. It was about the boy. And over the six months that led up to camp, the devil tried to do everything within his system to take this child away from our camp. And trust me, on the flesh, I just wanted to say, Lord, is this you? Is, are you trying to steer us away from a problem Or am I supposed to keep chasing? Keep chasing, Joe. So long weeks, long hours. And a week before our camp started, I called that mother and I said, hey, I just want to make sure you have all the details. She said, oh, you don't have to call him anymore. I got rid of him. He was terrible. Good luck finding him because he's probably in an orphanage somewhere. There's no, there's a good reason why he's going to live in 10 homes in 10 months. You're wasting your time. And for the next four days, I made calls, made calls, made calls. And I found JCN, now living in Detroit, home number 10 in nine months. And he came to camp. In fact, the morning of camp, his caseworker forgot about him. And we had to call a secondary employee and say, hey, you live in St. Clair Shores. Can you get down to Detroit and pick up this boy and get him here. And by the (laughs) miracle of God, that all happened in within one hour. And if you guys know the map, from St. Clair Shores to Detroit and the Detroit to Oxford, wild. Sean came to camp, he was quiet, he was hurting, he was sensitive. Minded his business until Friday. On Friday, camp came to an end. The caseworker showed up. Jason, it's time to go back to Detroit. Now we saw the boy show his true colors. He begged and he cried and he verbalized, do not send me there. I can't, he almost looked us in the eyes and said, I can't say more. Don't send me there. And through the mouth of a child, we said, we're listening. Dominic and Kristen over the next few hours sat in my office and we made calls after a very long week away. And as licensed foster parents, they took that boy home and began to protect him and nurture him and teach him. This was literally last August. And they would work a stirring within his heart, within their own heart. At this morning service at 9.30 a.m., for weeks now, JCon has been on the other side of this wall receiving the beautiful gift of Jesus teaching in a child's platform right here at Lake Point Church. And I am so pleased, so pleased to announce that on Monday, April 24th, JCon Forents became JCon Jean Cola. They adopted that. Book. When you see Dominic and Kristen Jayceon, you hug them and say, Amazing work. Jaceon's grandparents are in the back right corner. Jean Cola Seniors. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that Jaceon, for the very first time, has grandparents. Nana and Papa. That is what we call a difference maker, trusting the Lord and taking a step forward not knowing how hard it's going to be, what the mission at hand is. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. How many things in life that were easy just came to us and had great rewards? The biggest rewards come from the things that took challenge and heart. So I want to show you a video right now, and then I'll come back and have a couple closing statements. But in this video is 80 foster children that have attended our program in 2022. All of them victims of abuse, abandonment, neglect, hurting, waiting for their life to change. And this is just a collection of moments and message of our program sharing the heart of Jesus to a group of kids who know no different. Someone once told me that you can't share a life-changing experience without defining the moments that exist within it. These are the moments that change our lives. The moment when hurt is healed by hope. The moment when fear turns into freedom. The moment when loss is replaced by love. It all works towards something greater. And that's when we find our purpose. When the weight of the world has become too heavy, but there's someone there to help take it all away. A place where you finally feel accepted for the first time. A place where everyone gets to feel like a child again. We believe. These are the moments that change our hearts. Everything we do is authentically, wholeheartedly love for a child. You know, I was doing a lot of running last summer and I would run around this one pond and there would be this lady in the morning just sitting on a bench with like three towels. But every morning it starts to get confusing because I can't really see what she's doing. So eventually I stopped and I said, Miss, I've seen you a few times out here. What are you doing? She said, I'm taking care of the turtles. I said, what? She said, yeah, see this pond, this swamp right here, it's, it's pretty gross. And I said, yeah, so why would you want to mess with those nasty things? She said, that's the point you're missing. She goes, see, these turtles swim to the bottom of this pond, and they get mud and gunk all over their shells, and they're just babies. And what you don't realize is that the turtle shell is how they grow. When the shell has mud and gunk and different things on the shell, it can't grow. They come to the surface and they, they get oxygen and light from the sun. And then they go back down into the shadows and find meals and work. Then they come back up and they see the sun and they take in the oxygen and the light and then go back down into the shadows and continue to grow. I'm being spoken to in this moment. That on Sundays and throughout our week we can come and receive from the sun, His words, His breath, His Holy Spirit. But are we going down into the shadows to work? Or are we just taking and holding it all in? and not giving it back out. And I said, but is it really a difference? And she said, I don't don't know. She goes, all I know is that some of the same turtles with the same markings on their stories, broken and hurt, have came to me a second and third time to get their shell cleaned. So I would like to think I'm making a difference but this one. But Joe, if I could just speak to a ton of people, the spirit of my heart, if I could get on the Lake Point stage and share a message with you guys, I, I can make a difference for people. It doesn't work that way. The Lord's giving you the words. He's giving you the faith. But he can't even trust you to go kneecap to kneecap with somebody at Starbucks and actually talk about his name. You have to start somewhere. Well, Joe, if I knew the whole plan, if I knew the schedule for what God wanted me to do, I would just go to do it. That's my only excuse. I don't know what he wants me to do. This is what I like to think. You're at breakfast with Jesus. You're yelling at him saying, give me the plan, give me the schedule. I'll sign the contract right now, but I'm a person that needs to know. So he unfolds his napkin. And he says, okay, let's start. Well, Jesus, that's just a napkin. Don't be silly. He says, well, this is the contract right here. I'm done. Well, Jesus, there's nothing on the contract. That's what I'm saying. I need to know. He says, that's not how faith works. When you sign the bottom of this, you become an apostle. You are now ready to work with me and go out into the communities go out into international uh, missions, go down to Shane Street and work with Pastor Steve Upshur, Barnabas Ministries, Love for a Child, Homeless Ministry, but you gotta start with your faith. The lines aren't always gonna be filled out for you. He might reveal a few within time, but when you operate in trust and faith with Jesus, the contract is blank. I'll close with this. I was at a conference two weeks ago, and I had a beautiful moment to sit probably for two minutes with a pastor named Louis Giglio. And I was having a coffee with him, and he asked me what I did, and I said, well, I'm not a pastor, but I serve in the mission field. And he said, Joe, I can see your heart for Jesus. That's, that's all you need. And he said this exact quote, and I wrote it down, in my phone. Joe, I see a lot of people who manufacture a heart for mission, but all along they've been missing a heart for Jesus from day one. And the reason most people don't ever fulfill their heart and their mission for Jesus is very simple. They never intended to in the first place. They take what they want when they can get it, and they go back home. But there's gonna be one difference maker who leaves the walls, operates in faith, trusts the blank contract and says, Jesus, my heart is for you. It is with you. It is of you. It is filled with love. What's the game plan? He said, you're ready. I hope today is that you have a spark to figure it out? To end up at coffee this week and mention his name. To find something to serve. It might start off in this church, filling up the coffees, volunteering in the kids' wing. Find a mission that is within your heart and stop being comfortable. Amen? Pastor, thank you guys.
0: Thank you, Joe, for just serving as a Difference Maker. You know, as you were talking, I remember when you first started. You know, to make that ripple effect, it starts with the pen drop. It starts somewhere. Joe, you know, you're just making an impact. It started with one little camp, and now two, three, or four camps. It's just more beyond camps, and there's more stories that you didn't hear stories of life change that are happening. Now, if you think about greater things, when we started the church 13 years ago, part of my heart was to have a special offering every year. That offering we call Greater Things Offering. Every year we collect an offering that goes to greater things in our city. Outside of our four walls, not a dime came here. Not a penny came here. Everything went out to make a difference. We've been partnering with different ministries and organizations over the years. This year, we're, we're partnering with Love for a Child. We're partnering with Peacemakers International, with Jeremiah Deep Steve Upshur down in Detroit. We're, we're partnering but church planting that's happening in our Metro Detroit area. We're working with Barnabas Ministries. Next Sunday, Pastor Doug Schmidt, he'll be with us. We'll get to hear a little bit about what he's doing in Barnabas Ministries. If you don't know Pastor Doug, he's the retired pastor of Woodside. And when he retired, he decided, you know what, I'm not done with ministry. I want to minister to pastors and churches in our area, and we we'll get to hear from that next week. We'll get to support ministries and organizations, all these things. And so next Sunday, it's a Sunday that if you have a blue bucket, you got change. Just it's the Sunday that you bring your bucket, and at the end of our service, we'll have a big, giant offering bucket. And at the end of the service, you'll bring your bucket, you'll get your kids, if you like to bring your kids, and you can dump your offering. They say, well, I don't have a bucket. Well, we've got, we can get one, but you don't have to have a bucket. If you forget your bucket, you say, I got, I got my Ziploc bag, would that work? Of course, it would work. And, and, and some of you will write a check and say, you know what, I want to give above and beyond how God has blessed us. About a month ago, we had a family that came to my office. I said, Scott, Pastor Scott, we, God has blessed us in different ways lately, and we want to be a blessing. We want to give it back. Um, and they wrote a check for $10,000 to give to greater things. They got the ball started. Last year we raised $35,000. I believe this year we can raise $40,000 to bless ministries and organizations and be a difference, make a difference, as we cause this ripple effect to spread throughout Detroit area. So my challenge for you this week is to pray and say, God, how can you use me? You might not be able to write a $10,000 check. You might be able to write a $100 check. Maybe that's all you can do. God can use that. Maybe God can use the $1,000 check from you. God can use that. Maybe God said, hey, I only have 10 bucks in my name. God can use that. You pray this week. God, how can you use me? to make a difference. And we we'll are here. there'll be many stories that come out of this, stories that we won't hear until we get to the other side of heaven, the other side of eternity, where we'll see the life change of people that we make an impact because of the way we give. Be a difference maker. Our Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for using us we're ordinary people, but you've called us to do something extraordinary for you. So, God, I pray that you work in our heart this week. I pray that you help us to give in a way that we can give, to bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.